and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with a late night pod to preview game week 31. We really are into the business end of the season. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by Trent Alexander-Arnold going forward to my Trent Alexander-Arnold trying to defend. It's Andy Case. Andy, uh, we were just discussing off air that I know we, we we talk about the Euros, we talk about England national team quite a lot at the start of the pod, even though it has no real bearing on FPL. We don't think he's uh, he's going to go to the Euros, do we? I think probably not. No, I mean, there's often a lot of talk. There has been for a few tournaments now about how you know modern day football, bigger squads and stuff. And 23 is is it's been 23 for quite a number, maybe 20, 30 years now. So maybe they need to look at, at expanding that. But I think whilst it's 23, like that, the 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 makeup of that is essentially you know the the, the thinking behind the number there when when it was decided is like three keepers and two for every other position. And so, yeah, given the number of right-backs, does he make the, the top two of, of, of right-backs for Gareth Southgate? And I, I don't know if he does. Um, he doesn't, well, potentially doesn't even make the top three. So I've always been a bit of a defender of, of, of his defending because I, I think it's a bit lazy sometimes just to say that because he's so good going forward, therefore he's not a good defender. And I, I don't think he's the greatest defender in the world, don't get me wrong, but... Um, I've always been a bit of a defender of his defending, but but yeah, I seem to have a bit of a mare, bit of a mare the other night. Um, but you know, young players make mistakes, and yeah, it will be a huge statement I think from Southgate not not to take him. Um, but I'm sure he it won't be the last time that we mention him on on today's pod, will it? Yeah, no, quite possibly not. But I mean, it, yeah. It would be it would be lazy analysis to say because he's bad at defending because he's good at going forward. I mean that's not how it works. He's he's not necessarily bad at defending, but is he good enough to be like in an England squad on 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 his defending? Yeah, I I don't know if he is. So yeah, I think I think I think I think there's people. The trouble is with media and pundits. Often you get like people who just love him, right? And 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 obviously he is very creative and his his, his crossing ability is unbelievable. So they'll just defend him. No matter what, you know, even if his defending is bad, they'll be like, "Yeah, but look how much he offers going forward." And it's like, well, maybe it speaks to people's different football footballing philosophies, right? But ultimately, a tournament isn't about looking lovely, is it? Frankly, like it would be great to go into a tournament and think that we can just not worry about any other opposition, and and just think about how great we are going forward. But like, you know, that's going to come back and bite you at some point, isn't it? That he's going to do what he did, frankly, in the Champions League this week, and then Southgate would get pill- you know pillared. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk. We can hopefully talk about this over the summer. Maybe we could do you know, sort of a bit of a FPL one spin-off. Maybe do some Euros <laughs> coverage. See what see what we can see what we can pull together. Keep keep that content rolling. Uh, I can hear a few a few of our listeners already just in my mind just groaning at, the, uh, at that prospect. But you know, you don't have to listen. You don't have to listen. Anyway, let's crack on with uh, game week thirty one and the preview. As always on our preview shows, we'll start by running through the week's fixtures and have a quick chat about this week's talking points. Then we've got quite a few players on the radar to uh, to touch on this week we will take a, then take a quick break before we swim against the tide and then we'll round off with captaincy picks and who the heck is that so let's start with those all important fixtures your fpl deadline this week is 6 30 on friday the 9th of april because we have a friday night football not the most exciting one it's fulham versus wolves then saturday at lunchtime we've got man city leeds followed by liverpool aston villa and the tea time kickoff is crystal palace chelsea Moving on to Sunday, there's Burnley versus Newcastle, West Ham versus Leicester. The uh, the big uh, football, the bit 4:30 kickoff is uh, Spurs versus Man United on on Super Sunday, and Sheffield United versus Arsenal finishes Sunday off. And moving on to Monday night football, West Brom versus Southampton, and Brighton versus Everton. 
feels like we say this every every week, Andy. Every at least every week when there's uh, when there's European fixtures. But I think we we alluded to it on on our on our most recent review show that you know towards the business end of, of the European uh, competitions, I guess t- teams are going to start to have slightly different priorities. And I think you know you highlighted that all of the uh, all of all of the British teams still left in Europe are definitely going to be having aspirations for. But, you know, for, for, for winning it ultimately, um, I think you know Arsenal and Man United and left in the Europa League, um, you know, have have a more than winnable competition in front of them, and you know possibly less so maybe for one or two of of the teams in the Champions League. But you know we know definitely with Man City that that seems to be uh, seems to be their priority. So I guess having having a bit of a, a bit of a look at the minutes um, that some of the key players played and the rotation. Might give us a bit of an inkling as as to what's going on this weekend, um, you know, in terms of the Premier League, which might not be quite as much of a priority, um, for, for you know for some some of those teams still left in Europe. Did you think we learned anything? You know, we're, we're recording quite late on Thursday, so we've been able to see the Europa League games. Um, you know, have we learned anything? Have FPL managers learned anything ahead of picking their team for thirty one? Yeah, I think I think they probably have because um, you know what we were saying in the early look ahead to this week on the review show was that ultimately all of the teams obviously would, would probably be taking it seriously. So so they would probably likely field full strength teams, and they all seem seem to have done that. But they've to differing kind of levels of success, right? So the thing that we've that we've learned is is probably that some teams may need more rotation at the weekend than others. And yeah, to 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 go into it a little bit, I mean. We, we, when we were talking about Chelsea defenders last week, we, say, we were saying that it's, you know, we've said actually a few times of the season that since Tuchel's been there, it's been a bit of a chop and change between Chilwell and Alonso. Well, look, Chilwell played and scored in the Champions League. Alonso started in the league at the at the weekend the previous week. So, you 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 know, you could try and put two and two together and think, well, is he going to rotate back again then and play play Alonso again? And I think a lot of people seem to be thinking that is what's going to happen, especially as it's Crystal Palace for Chelsea this week. So. Maybe there's a little little bit more certainty in the community about Lonzo um, for, for for this game week uh, off the back of that, but that's just one little nuance for Chelsea, and, and there's other things kind of all over the pitch. Obviously, Thiago Silva got um, got a red, so he'll he'll be suspended for this, so he he cannot play um, this week. Um, what, what that and then that has knock on impacts potentially for other central defenders. Um, with Arsenal, we've just seen that they conceded a very very late equaliser away goal so uh, and we know they'll obviously for them it's their only route into the Champions League so they, they played essentially what is you'd think their first strength team arguably uh, and quite controversially Willian played over Aubameyang on the left of, of the of the 4 2 3 one but other than that it's what you'd probably say injuries aside is Arsenal's first 11 at the moment Saka and Smith-Rowe both came back into the team off the back of injuries so again I mean I don't know exactly Saka's state. I didn't obviously. I watched the United game, um, so I don't know how Saka got on. Um, I think he came off um, came off for for Pepe, actually the goal scorer for Arsenal in that game eventually. So, um, but but whether that means you know a guy just coming back from injury, obviously he's lauded as being one of their best players this season. Saka is he gonna play at the weekend when Arsenal desperately need a result next Thursday to keep their Champions League hopes alive? I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, without going for every single team, there's, there's basically a lot going on there. I guess one final thing I'd just say is on, we know that City sort of rotate a lot, but 
you know, and, and that's not new. But on Liverpool, you know, maybe not a thing for this week, this game week. That you know, they're three-one down against Real Madrid. They're obviously going to want to try and pick that back up if they can, as difficult as that might be. But um, obviously, longer term, if that means that they they end up going out, it's, diff- it's a difficult thing to turn around. Then that perhaps some they, they've got no other competitions going on, so some more certainty. Perhaps they they definitely need to try and secure the league points. They can't just throw, throw those games in the same way like a City can with the cushion they have. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like you say, I think for you know for for Chelsea and Liverpool, um, although however nice it would be to win the Champions League, it's very much still in 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 their grasp to to get there on merit through the, through the league position, especially when you see you know Leicester are a few points a few points ahead, have a bit of a cushion, but but West Ham in that fourth position, you would think that at the moment you you'd think Chelsea and, and 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 Liverpool and Tottenham as well will think that they're kind of right for the picking really um and and i guess similarly for arsenal you know it doesn't look like they're going to make it in in via the league so you, you know they really should be having um you know all of their eggs in the europa in winning the europa league basket and they should, in theory have an okay route to the final um although obviously as you say you can see the very late equalizer tonight giving slavia prague an away goal so so yeah and and obviously you know for, for man city as as you said rotation you know happen have we all know what pep roulette means um and and predicting his teams in the in the Premier League is, is is pretty difficult, but um, but yeah, they have obviously a very slender lead um, to to Borussia Dortmund. So so yeah, you imagine that they're going to be taking the Champions League pretty seriously, considering uh, the the cushion that they have in the Premier League. I guess the other thing just to mention, you know, without this segment going on too long, Andy, is that it does seem from FPL Twitter, however a homogenous a community it can be sometimes, that everyone uh, seems to be doing their wild card and having a wild card draft this week. Um, some things are you know some drafts are looking very very similar and you know there's always talk of a template and how the template shifts um kind of throughout the season i mean is there anything that perhaps you've seen that 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 surprised you that looks pretty you know that that maybe you wouldn't be thinking of or or is it kind of all been pretty pretty run the mill and uh fpl twitter just uh you know just, just just doing what it usually ends up doing yeah well actually this time around there seems to be a lot of very similar um uh, drafts going around lots of people having the same same type of players in their teams now I don't know uh, the the trouble is it can be such an echo chamber like you said I mean you went homogenous I was left me reeling a bit there with a word like that but yeah it can be a bit of an echo chamber in 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 that FPL Twitter and 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 you, you often do get a lot of group think going on and, and and this is how we tried not to go into it too much last time but the effective ownerships of, of, of various players can end up skyrocketing because you, you get a lot of these sort of um regular players or more serious players um, owning and then captaining very similar people so um yeah I actually it, in previous wild cards although there is a lot of group think there's there was still a, a little bit of variety in a few different ways that people seem to be going but but no this time around a very very similar stock of players but I guess ultimately that's just a, a, a sort of a, a product of the fact that there are only eight games left and so teams have whatever run of fixtures they have and there isn't really many different strategies if you're because if you're on wildcard by definition you know you can change as many of your players as you want and but you've only got eight games worth of eight fixtures worth for each team to look at whereas with your first wild card there's multiple different strategies because you've probably got other chips in play each team's got loads of fixtures left so you might look to attack the ones coming up or do you think a bit longer term and go well okay so and so don't have great fixtures in the next three but um you know they over the next 10 they're they're not so bad so yeah that other times there's more permutations more options i guess whereas here maybe the fact that it's all looking a bit more similar is just simply because you know like there there aren't many fixtures left 
makes sense makes sense let's try and cut through that noise then a little bit and uh, and have a chat about some players on our radar and let's talk about three that we've kind of already spoken about last week or, or even you know in some weeks previous um but possibly are appearing in a lot of wildcard drafts at least that we're seeing and may well be i guess appearing in our own because you know we, we've been pretty transparent about the fact that we're also going to be wildcarding um pretty soon so but perhaps these aren't you know sort of premium assets that that that, that that managers would have been thinking about, you know, in game week one, um, although one of them possibly possibly would have been. Um, so we've got Diego Jota here, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who obviously we mentioned at the top of the show, and Kelechi Iannaccio. They seem to be appearing quite a lot, and for all, you know, perfectly good reason. You know, Jota's um, form for Portugal in, in the international break was definitely um, eye-raising. When he was fit at the, earlier in the season for Liverpool, he was a guy who, um, you know, I don't want to say that you jumped on the bandwagon. I'd argue that you started the bandwagon uh, as far as the FPL lounge is concerned on, on Diego Jota, you know, definitely saw something pretty early in his in his upside and, and he absolutely ended up delivering on it. Trent Alexander-Arnold seems to be coming back into form and Liverpool have some, at least in the league, um, Liverpool have some good fixtures and and, and which you know which can also um you know, breed some some clean sheet points for him. Um and then Kalechi Iannaccio, you know, we've spoken about enough. You know, he seems to be playing up front alongside Jamie Vardy and he seems to be the the guy that's getting Leicester's goals at the moment. Um and I guess his, his performances in, in the cup competitions as well has 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 been have been pretty impressive. So so yeah, I mean anything more really to add on those three, Andy, because you know, in ever in other wildcard drafts we're seeing the usual suspects of most Mo Salah and Bruno and Son and Kane, but these three are perhaps the slightly different I guess you know Trent would be a premium defender, but he hasn't probably been in loads and loads of squads um throughout the season. So I think it's probably worth highlighting him here, whereas you know Jota and Inacho are definitely more budget but have some real high upside. Well, yeah, and also with these players, you know, we've said at other points during the season that the radar isn't isn't like a one-week thing, and these players were all on our radar last week, well, Trent less so. We were kind of saying we wanted to see a little bit more out of him before deciding, and, and yeah, so it's just to kind of say they all they all are still there, really, and if, if you are wilding, wildcarding this week, you know, although they're not necessarily premium, or at least Trent hasn't been this season as such, um, that, that they would be ones that I imagine a lot of people probably would be and should be thinking about. I mean, Jota, even to the point where I know he's only sort of had one league game back, but I think he might even have to go off the radar in the positive sense, the way he's going, because he's just going to be in people's teams. It's just it's just a no-brainer. Um, you know, it, it, ironically, Trent's defensive, as we alluded to earlier, his defensive performances and the debate around that might put some some people off. But actually, although he you know he, he has made mistakes, and he did on in, in midweek. Um, Liverpool did look a bit more sort of well, Arsenal offered nothing going forward, frankly, but but Liverpool have been a bit more solid recently, and he looks like the un- and as we mentioned in last week's show, the underlying numbers have been better, so he 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 is kind of getting back to that sort of form, and yeah, if it, he's even if he's making individual mistakes, if the if the irony being in in FPL that you know if he's going to benefit from the defensive unit having improved, he'll still get the clean sheets if the whole team does. Um, so so yeah, and and Ian Atchard, who we've been speaking about for for a few weeks there as well, and his his run. His good run is just about to start. Arguably, it doesn't start this week with West Ham. Um, but but if you're wildcarding this week, that wouldn't be enough to, to put put me off putting him in, in, in my squad because then West Brom, Crystal Palace, Southampton, the next three after that. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I think uh, I think you know, they're going to be pretty you know, staples of many wildcards. But also, uh, you know, if you haven't already been thinking about them, now is possibly the time. Um, so I guess that leads us, Andy, to try and think of of, of, of some different players. Like I say, there were, seemed to be a lot of uh, a lot of drafts that seemed to be 
pretty similar. Um, but as we always do when we're thinking about the radar, we do have a look at, at fixtures. And as you say, you know, only really eight games, eight games to go. Um, we're kind of focused a little bit more on the next four. And that's lead, led us really to Wolves, Arsenal, but kind of already mentioned, mentioned Leicester. Um, so let's perhaps start with start with with Arsenal and I guess as we kind of mentioned at the top of the show with you know, with them in the Europa League it's really hard to know you know what competition they're prioritizing what rotation Arteta is going to put in and but either way Andy we've never really been sold on Arsenal assets anyway have we apart from I guess one guy who is probably arguably their most key player and then may well be rested for the Premier League yeah I think yeah, you're talking about Saka there, and and yeah, he's obviously someone who's been on our radar at previous points because his output for his price, particularly um, in in FPL terms, is great. But then you get the eye test that matches up with that, and he just looks really sort of direct and productive when when he plays. So so maybe him, but but outside of that, yeah, it's 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 tricky to really get behind any of those Arsenal players. I've seen a few shouts this week for maybe because of a couple of sort of injuries and stuff. Um, they've got there's a couple of cheap options in Cedric and Holding um, in in that Arsenal defence but I mean I just I think I've said it earlier in the season when I was moaning about Man United that I compared them to Arsenal in just in the sense of I can never trust an Arsenal defender so yeah they might be a cheap sort of a cheap option but sort of so what like if they're not going to keep clean sheets and I'd rather just like look look elsewhere for, for differential options yeah so I think they do have decent set of fixtures but um, even if we thought they were going to play their first team like you say, not sure I'm going to trust that many players. But then when you add on top of that, that frankly, they're pro- they are going to be prioritising the Europa League, how much does that great fixture run benefit them completely? Um, you know, it's Sheffield United this weekend. And really, how many of that first 11, they're, they're going to protect as many of them as, as they can afford to, really? You would think so, yeah. I mean, so of the next four, Sheffield United, Fulham, Everton and Newcastle. Obviously, Everton considerably more difficult, one would think at least, than than the other three. Um, but you know, I guess I guess the other danger, especially for, for Fulham and Newcastle. I mean, I guess if if we if we assume um, rightly or wrongly that Sheffield United are already down, then is this time of the season as well? Where even the even in theory the more easy games are going to be difficult because these teams are going to be fighting for their lives. Arsenal don't seem to have a lot to play for in the Premier League. So so yeah, I think. Um, as, as Andy said, you know, Rob Holding, Cedric are a few players that, that we've seen kind of bandied about, but for either of us, they don't seem um, particularly you know, players to really, really kind of jump on. Um, Saka and you know, Smith, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big Smith Rowe fan, but you know, I don't know if I'd if I'd bring either of them in in the Premier League just based on based on the fact that they should, in theory, be you know, be rested for the Europa League, which is obviously Arteta's, uh, you know, should be his his main priority. Uh, let's move on to Wolves, Andy. And I know this is one that we differ on a little bit. And again, this is just purely really about fixtures at the moment. But also in their next four, they have Fulham, Sheffield United, Burnley and West Brom. So that led me to think maybe Wolves defenders could be a decent sort of budget option. But for you, less so. And I guess that's because Wolves defensively this year have definitely not been what they were last year. Yeah, well, it's it's that, and because and because you just called them a budget option, and they're absolutely not that. I mean, the 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 their defenders are not are not like like cheap. I think um, the ones that you'd consider the ones that look like they're going to be starting at the moment are a lot of them over five million. And so, given the the lack of clean sheets this season and the lack of underlying numbers to suggest that that's 
that 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 is wrong you know that it's reasonable that they haven't had many clean sheets that reflects their performances um it, it does it want me make me want to part with over five million of my budget for any one of their players i mean the potential argument for yes is like basically their run of fixtures so that you know they've had bad form fine that doesn't necessarily guarantee that that bad form continues right it can change you try to use data from the past to help you try and predict the future but it, it doesn't mean it's actually absolutely gonna gonna be the way and actually i suppose that is a key to fpl right trying to sort of notice when those trends might change and getting on them before other people do so there is an argument there that, that with these fixtures coming up wolves had a good good defensive unit obviously last season and that maybe this is the time for them to, to find you know there's not really a lot of pressure on them they're not going to go down not really fighting for europe so one argument is they could be on the beach. The other argument is, well, there's no pressure on them and a lot of them will be playing for contracts and things. So um, may- maybe this will be the time that, that they shore it up. So so perhaps, but you would be you would be parting with, obviously, yeah, the best part of five million plus for, for any of their starting options. Yeah, yeah, I think I, th- I think that's fair. I guess, I guess the flip side possibly is also, you know, they are playing against fairly shot-shy teams. Um, so, you know, although maybe they don't have to work super hard for these clean sheets. And, and if you are... I mean, what what would you say out of the next four, Fulham, Sheffield United, Burnley and West Brom, would be kind of good, a good good enough returns in terms of clean sheets for you to maybe part part way with £5 million for a, for a Wolves defender? Like two, two clean sheets minimum, or are you looking for three? Because I guess three is where, like, the odds are stacked against you, whereas two, you might say, is maybe 50-50. I mean, it probably actually isn't, but... I think you'd want at least two out of those because because there'd be some ambitious people saying they want four, right? So I think I think with those with particularly Sheffield United, Burnley, and West Brom, you want at least two out of those games. If you get th- if you get three, then I think you've probably got fair enough for the money that you've that you've spent, right? So uh, and it's possible, but. Um, yeah, obviously their 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 performances this season, their sort of bottom half over the last um, over the whole season and in in recent weeks actually haven't really even um, in, improved that much um, if if at all. So I think I think there's some people out there who've been thrown by the blank game week and that that you you've got to be careful that that um, impacts some of the stats that you look at because obviously you can't concede any goals if you haven't played a game. So you you got to take you got to take the stats into account in you know the per, per ninety and in, in the actual matches they've they've played so consistently bottom half and, and at points lower than that you know towards the right the, the complete wrong end of the table for for expected goals conceded this season uh, and that hasn't improved recently so yeah underlying numbers not not great there and uh, like you say uh, to answer your question directly at least two two clean sheets. And then I guess at the other end of the at the other end of the pitch for Wolves, I mean we're not we've never been particularly impressed with their with their attacking output this year. Obviously, you know we we were hot on the postman at the start of the season, but uh, Raúl Jiménez's injury has made Wolves even blunter than perhaps they they were. I mean, it definitely looks like they're kind of missing Diego Jota. But Pedro Neto has been um, you know a plus point for them this year. Hasn't been. Um, you know, always massively consistent. Doesn't his numbers don't always stand out you know, in terms of FPL returns and his underlying stats. But he's had a pretty good year on the whole, I guess, for his um, for his price as well. I mean, in terms of his underlying numbers, Andy, we looked earlier at, at the whole season, and he kind of is about fourth among midfielders that are currently under six million. Um, Gundogan and Saka are two players that we're not so sure about rotation-wise going forwards, whereas Neto, then you know, he's not do- he's not as well in terms of his underlying numbers as Rafinha. But we might come on to Rafinha later as a player that seems to be leaving some 
some FPL teams at the minute. So, you know, would Neto with those fixtures possibly be an option if you're looking for, if you say, if you are wildcarding and you've got four kind of pretty settled options, you're looking for one more to fill your bench? Well, um, I think when you mix the factors right there, so when you look at, like you say, you look over the course of the whole season, um, but also the fact that it's great, okay, Rafinha's numbers are obviously ahead of Neto's, but, um, you know, Wolves have much better fixtures coming up than, than Leeds. So it's it um, it's it's not just obviously purely about those online numbers. And yeah, his, his haven't haven't been awful. Um, 2.8 expected goal involvements in the last six matches that, that he's played. So a goal involvement every other game, at a value of 5.7 million, you can't really argue with that. Um, if obviously you, he's got to produce it, but but the underlying numbers there, uh, he should on average come out with one every other game. So so no, not not awful. And you know he's gonna he's gonna start. He's gonna be starting in in, in they, they do change the formation slightly. Leads from from game to game. Um, well, sorry, from game to game it seems. But but he's he's in some kind of, of advanced position always. Um, which is which is helpful. So yeah, I don't think I don't think an awful shout. And and there's that fifth midfielder slot that seems to be appearing in a lot of people's wild card drafts. And it would be an interesting sort of differential one for people, perhaps. Absolutely. Um, Andy, talk to me now about Nat Phillips. Now Nat Phillips for me, and I don't mean to be derogatory about him, but he doesn't look to me on the eye test like a Premier League footballer. He looks like he belongs in, not in Colchester United's team because we're too terrible, but, you know, maybe League Two, League One, just, you know, heading the ball away all day. He's hard as nails, but, you know, and, would, you know, is good enough with his feet at that level, but you wouldn't expect him to be playing week in, week out for the reigning Premier League champions and the team that's won the Champions League in, in, in recent seasons. Yet he is. He's four million in FPL. He looks like he's going to start, um, and Liverpool seems to be improving at the back. So he becomes a bit of an option and an intriguing one. And and you know, I was being a little bit derogatory to him about him because he clearly is a way better footballer than I'm giving him credit for. Um, but is he a good FPL option going forward? I mean, part of me wants you know wants him to stereotypically, I guess, get up for a corner and nod one in and, you know, jobs are good and 10 points for Nat Phillips, you know, we're, we're, we're all good. But um, at 4 million, he could be a good option. Would you maybe put him with Trent or instead of Trent if you were looking to move funds somewhere else? Well, I think a lot of people, the thing a lot of people are going to be thinking now is actually slots for Liverpool players because we've already basically said Jota's nailed on. A lot of people own Salah already. So that's two of three slots filled and, and basically going to, you know, you can't have them all. So um, it's a sh- in some ways, it's a shame he plays for Liverpool. Obviously, if he didn't play for Liverpool, he wouldn't have the clean sheet potential that he does going forward. But um, yeah, look, a, a four million defender in one of the best teams still, frankly, in the league, that, you know, they're not having their best season, but they've got a good run of fixtures coming up. And he could be at four million, he could be your fifth defender. Uh, you know, and just and and you you can you could start him in games where you're really confident that you think Liverpool are going to get clean sheets, um, because frankly there's not many other defenders in the whole game that that are cheaper than him. So I think you know we're we're trying to find some players here to to, be, to, to go on the radar that, like we said, are not necessarily the, the most obvious ones. We want to try and make it helpful in some way for for listeners by not by not just saying oh you know pick pick the most expensive players in each position and and he he you know. The, the current reigning champions at the end of the day, and he's the cheapest you can possibly be for other than price drops for a for a defender. So and we know, like you say, we know he's going to start basically. So um, I think that's that's the attraction summed up, up right there, regardless of his own perhaps personal abilities. I wonder, though, I mean, if you if you're like you said, being a bit rude, there, calling him a league, a league one defender, whether, you know, something I know you're excited about is 
the mega money takeover of Ipswich Town Football Club this that's happened this week and whether our fantastic new American owners can um, lure someone like Nat Phillips to League One or maybe even the Championship to rip it up next season. Your thoughts, Chris? Best we best we move on, really. I mean, yeah, I'm... It, 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 it's weird. It's, it's bittersweet without going into loads of depth about this because, you know, I cannot stand Ipswich Town, never have, so don't want them to do very well. However, you know, some of my very close friends, including you, are Ipswich Town fans. And even though, you know, obviously you balance it with, with Man United, but, and you know, I don't want to see you sad all the time. So, yeah, and also, you know, it's good for the region if there are better teams. I don't really like Norwich either, so I don't want them to be like the the, the, the shining light. But at the same time, you know, flying the flag for Essex, the 21st Colchester United and 23rd Southend United, and it's not really going all that well. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think the chances of you uh, luring Nat Phillips to Suffolk are slim. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's... I don't want to say good for you that you can be now be optimistic about Ipswich, but and I don't definitely don't want to say that I'm pleased for you, but uh, yeah, it's a reluctant kind of yeah, fine. I'll, 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 less said about that, the better I think. Let's move um, on. Oh no, I go mean, on, I, th- go on. I, th- I think I think that's possibly one of the nicest things you've ever you've ever said. A, be- a begrudging. I don't want to see you unhappy all the time. So I, as much as I don't like it for my own personal. Uh, grievances against Ipswich you're you're happy to be happy for us that you're you're a big man Chris Hopkins that that takes it, a big man it's, it's also one of them where if you know if, if we were if we were doing if Colchester were doing better and it was like oh maybe we'll get into League One or you know it'd be great to play Ipswich again let's make sure that they're terrible and staying in in League One then yeah different story but at the end of the day you know we're we're, we're operating in different different universes at the moment so I better concentrate on on, on my own shower of um, a word that I can't say on the podcast, else we won't. You know, we'll have to put put an explicit rating on it. So, so yeah. Um, less said about that, the better, I think. Let's talk about an actual world class football player, or at least I don't know if you would still say that he is world class. But um, Sergio Aguero is. I mean, I'm a bit scared about Aguero, Andy, because I transferred him in earlier in the season. He plays 45 minutes, went off limping. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to really try and get ahead of the Aguero curve because he's back and fit again and I'm going to get him in my team. And I think he had a decent fixture and he started and yeah, ended up limping off after 45 minutes, never to be seen again. Um, but he is fit again, it appears, at the minute. Touch wood, he stays injury-free. And with City concentrating on the Champions League and him not really being kind of Pep's first choice, he seems like a bit of a shoe in to get some serious Premier League minutes and then add that into the fact that we know he's leaving at the end of the season. I think his teammates are going to be offering him up chances in theory, like on a bit of a silver platter. A guy like Aguero could be a really interesting, interesting pick for FPL managers towards the end of the season, but it does come at a price. Yeah, that I mean, definitely interesting. It seems like he is going to start in a, in plenty of league games. It's a bit of a procession for him. They want to honour him. He's obviously their all-time leading goal scorer. Scored plenty of goals that have helped him win plenty of trophies at important times. And um, 
yeah, he given that they seem to be liking to play this De Bruyne or Foden or someone as a false nine in the Champions League, and I think rightly so. Not, not. I mean, I, I think I'm sure they'd prefer to have a striker they think they can rely on. But frankly, it's working, and it's a way of getting their best players on the pitch. So they're going to stick with that, I think, and um, that would mean that Aguero is is likely to be starting um, a lot more league games or featuring a lot more league games. So. Um, yeah, I think definitely, certainly in the short term, whilst there's this turnaround, obviously, that we've spoken about this weekend and, and with City going to Germany um, next week um, for their for their second leg, which is finally poised, um, I, I'm sure Pep Roulette will be in, in, in full uh, regalia this 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 weekend and, and Aguero could could benefit from that. The, like you like you just mentioned at the end, though, the downside is the price. It's a lot of money, um, you know, over 10 million for someone who we think will start more now, but but. We're 100% sure on, and like you say, always injury issues potentially with him. So, but but look, there'll be people now looking at their mini leagues, thinking, "Well, everyone's got Kane. What can I do to 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 make a difference?" Or, or everyone's got Vardy or Iheanacho as a second striker. Maybe could I do something a little bit different? And 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 you know, as we've seen over the years, Aguero is a reliable finisher. So maybe this this you can you can ride on the back of his final swan song here. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I, I imagine that there are FPL managers, and you shouldn't really think like this, but I imagine there are FPL managers who have uh, relied on Aguero for, for a number of years, and he's probably probably maybe even won them mini leagues before or got them that that, you know, that coveted rank that they've been after. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe one last roll of the dice on, on Sergio. Um, you said earlier at the top of this segment, Andy, that we don't usually uh, treat the radar as a, as a one-week proposition, but we've picked out two players that kind of feel like a bit of a one-week proposition here and I'm not really sure what strategy someone might be employing if they are doing this maybe if you still have your wild card left but you're not going to roll it this week or not going to play it this week perhaps um but but but, but uh, Danny Ings and Nathan Redmond are two players from Southampton that we've picked out Southampton's underlying numbers have been much improved over the last couple of game weeks Redmond seems to be playing in a very sort of more advanced position I think um Che Adams was part of my honey trap last week and you know I didn't necessarily know this but um but yeah he didn't start you know because Redmond was playing up front alongside Ings Ings returned um Southampton look a lot better and they also have West Brom this week so this really is kind of a, a one week proposition mostly Andy because Southampton end up they've uh, got Tottenham in 32 then they blank in 33 and then I think they've got a difficult game against Leicester in 34 but yeah, if you are just one free transfer this week before you do something else, possibly worth thinking about Redmond or Rings. Well, it's one of those beautiful moments which ha- doesn't always happen organically, but did this time where you had noticed something or you thought that Southampton had looked more creative and, and been having more chances recently. And we look at the underlying numbers and then that is actually what has been playing out over the last four matches. Southampton are third. So only Tottenham and Man City have, have created more XG um, in the last four matches that, than Southampton, interestingly. So now obviously you know, over a sample size of four matches, fixtures might well play a, play a part in, in that increase and in that improvement. But but still, that that is an improvement. Southampton have been patchy, frankly, this season, both going forward and at the back. Um, and so the fact that they've got a lot of their players back now and they've got this front two of Red, Redmond and Ings, yeah, um, it's a, it's a, it's a good looking fixture for them this week this week with West Brom and and uh, maybe maybe that's like you say that's one to kind of just act as another kind of 
differential in in what is this this running period it, it, it's difficult chips are going to come into this of course as well if you've got a wild card still you might want to not have use it with, with one of those, those players in and you, you've highlighted the fixtures they've got they've got coming up so it, it's probably not something that can last much, much longer than that but but hey we're, we're firing a lot of shots on on the radar this week and it's um it's just another one of those to highlight it maybe for this for this one week in particular Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see uh, what sticks and perhaps which ones end up on our Game Week 32 radar. Um, Let's leave it there, Andy. Uh, And then when we come back, we will be donning our trunks and swimming against the tide. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, Andy, swimming against this week's tide, uh, I guess it was kind of organic how we got to this one. It's Sometimes it's a bit more you, a bit more me. I guess this one was perhaps a bit more bit more me. Um, but we've seen that Patrick Bamford and Rafinha are the third and fourth most transferred out so far this game week. It feels like a bit of an overreaction to their difficult fixtures that they've got coming up. Um, I think they've got what Man City, Liverpool and Man United in the next three um, but after that they've got a pretty clear run but even when Leeds have played difficult sides this year it hasn't really kind of dampened their their creativity and Rafinha and Bamford are at the heart of heart of that really aren't they yeah absolutely I mean obviously particularly since Rafinha's come in as well like just has looked such a creative force has consistently um, created chances for Leeds and Leeds as a team overall have have created chances and I think what's interesting now is I don't know how, how many weeks has it been where Rafinha's continued to be at the top of that XGI chart for midfielders I mean I think it must be a good four five six weeks of looking at this now that you you and I've been doing this Chris and and when you look over the last two four six plus matches backwards Rafinha is above Bruno, De Bruyne, Salah, everyone else, every other midfielder for expected goal involvements. He just keeps consistently performing. And even better than that, as we've said before, evenly across goals and assists, he's a threat in, in both aspects. So um, the, 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 the same, what it, basically the point here would be that it doesn't almost matter what team it is, he's still creating chances. And that would be true of Leeds. I mean, obviously Leeds drew with with um, City um, in their in their first game. They did they lose? Was it four three to Liverpool? So they scored yeah. three against Liverpool, and then they obviously they got battered by United, but they did still still score two goals. I think it was six two, was it? So so yeah, they're they're creating chances and scoring goals against any team that they that they play against. And in those three difficult fixtures they've got coming up in the in the reverse of them earlier in the season, they've, they've scored plenty of goals. And 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 both those players returned. And although Rafinha was only in for one of those games, you know he did return in that one game that he played. So yeah. Um, Wild cards, I suppose, might be the thing why so many people are getting them out. Um, but with Rafinha particularly, I mean, I've mentioned him a lot here, so I guess that, that says a lot about how I think him over Bamford maybe more so. But but with Rafinha particularly, you know, that that fifth midfielder slot that we mentioned for maybe like a Neto or a Saka or someone, you could, you could quite easily kind of, it would be a good longer term move to sort of stash someone like him and maybe you can play them um, when the when the fixtures turn again, and and you you've got a squad of fifteen, and maybe that's how you could use it. Yeah, I think I think for me that's that that's the key there really. It's uh, you know I don't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily be advocating getting these players in, but I find it quite difficult to believe why 
FPL managers are getting them out. And sure, you know, wild cards are fine, but if we, if many, if as many managers as perhaps FPL Twitter indicates are going for kind of four, the four big midfielders of like Salah, Bruno, Son, and Jota, you know, who's going to take that 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 final slot? And if you are looking, you know, unless you've really scrimped on. Um, in your other positions, then you're going to be looking for a fairly cheap midfielder. And you know, we went through four of them earlier: Saka and Gundogan. I don't feel like we you can really rely on for starts at the moment. And no one's really convincing me, despite their fixtures, that Neto's a better option than Rafinha. Um, for, you know, for me, I've said it a few times in the pod. I feel like he's he's you know one of the signings of the season. And and yeah, for me, it it, it, it feels it feels a bit premature to be to be getting rid. And then yeah, their last five five get five fixtures after the next difficult three: Brighton, Tottenham, Burnley, Southampton, and West Brom. Now Leeds might not have loads to play for, but Bielsa isn't going to let their standards slip. So so for me, I you know I think I think it might be a bit premature to be getting rid. On the Bamford side of things I think we feel a little less strongly about this one in general Andy than than Rafinha but um but, but for me uh, my question would be who else who else are you going to get and again it seems like a lot of FPL managers that are wildcarding are going to Kane and Ian Acho so who's going to take that final slot and you know in the kind of Bamford price range you've got Antonio you've got Ollie Watkins but is anyone telling me that Bamford is a worse option than those I don't I don't really buy it um so so yeah I mean unless 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 you are going to go um maybe towards that top end you know if you can squeeze in Vardy as well then then fine if you can squeeze in Aguero and Kane then then, then, then so be it but but for me um for me I, I think Bamford is as good as an option as at any point in this season and therefore I'm quite happy to, to swim against both of those players being uh, being in the top five most transferred out so far this game week well, I mean, to, to your point on, on Bamford alternatives, yeah, I mean, Villa's fixtures, next two fixtures are exactly the same as, as, as Leeds is, but just reversed. Villa's next two fixtures are Liverpool and then City. So that that puts them on a par with someone like a Bamford, frankly. Um, and then with Antonio, he's actually got a flag at the moment. There's potentially an injury concern there with, with him. So, so, yeah, I suppose to your point there that, that, you know, that there aren't necessarily great options. But let me put this one to you on, say, Rafinha, right? Because you were sort of out of the, the two of us quite keen that someone like a Neto went on the radar this week. Could you not in your wild card, because Neto's the same price at the moment as Rafinha, bring in Neto for Rafinha, who has Fulham, Sheffield United, Burnley in the next three game weeks, when Rafinha has Man City, Liverpool, Man United, and then with your one free transfer in four game weeks' time, switch back to Rafinha. You could, you could. I guess my, um, you know, other than the fact that I don't, wouldn't be planning my transfers that far ahead anyway, because I don't. But I, I guess, you know, would I want to be, even if I was, would I want to be planning ahead the transfer that I'm going to be making for my fifth midfielder? I don't think I would. I, I think for me, I'm going to be looking at, you know, I did sort of campaign for us to put Neto on the radar because I think it's important to highlight their next four good fixtures and he is probably the only option of, of Wolves midfielders or, or strikers that we'd be looking at but if it was a, a you know if it's a straight race between who would I rather have in my FPL team for the rest of the season Neto or Rafinha irrespective of fixtures I'm going Rafinha and even with these fixtures because of Leeds' last five I'm still going Rafinha so you know if I was wildcarding this week which I'm very much very well may be I'm looking at, at, at the full body of work, you know, the eight games that that are left, and uh, and yeah, I, I don't think I don't think um, Rafinha is, is is would be leaving my team, and I've got him, so so yeah, I think um, 
yeah, I, 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 I struggle to. Well, is he for me? This is quite easy to swim against because I just don't know why FPL managers would be would, would be desperate to get rid of either of those players um, at, at this stage of the season. And yeah, I do wonder sometimes if it is just you know we've swum against we've swum against various ties this season for these for this reason. I think it's just a little bit lazy maybe of, of some FPL managers just, just to be looking at the fixtures and just thinking, oh well, you know, they're not going to return in these games. And maybe they won't, but I think that, that, that at least Rafinha's underlying numbers says that he's got as good a chance as anyone. Yeah, fair enough. I think that I think that makes sense. And that like I say, a different strategy. Like maybe this is one wrinkle where there is a slight different strategy for people um in in those various wild wild card options. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Captaincy this week, Andy, feels a little bit tricky um, and possibly it's because there isn't a hugely standout fixture um, for any of kind of the big sides. But let's go through some so some options that we've kind of gone through. Um, let's start with City Assets. And, uh, you know, I guess we've mentioned throughout the show that Champions League rotation means that it's trickier than ever to predict what Pep's going to do in the Premier League. So possibly... It's worth thinking about, uh, you know, someone that's on our radar in Sergio Aguero, but also um, Raheem Sterling and, and Gabriel Jesus didn't play in midweek. So possibly could be looking at those. And I guess of the big sides, uh, City at Leeds, who do give up chances as much as they create them, could be uh, could be a decent option. Yeah, absolutely. Well, City at home this season have been, have been, you know, very, very dominant and, um, you know, Sterling not starting in the Champions League, I think, you know, you, you've got to hope, would, with, with, you never know with Pet Roulette, but, but Aguero and Sterling, you think are going to play, going to start this game week. So I suppose that as ever, the danger with a player like them is if you captain Sterling, he doesn't start, but then comes off the bench, you you know, you're not going to get your vice captain, but, but yeah, you don't, Aguero, you know, you think surely he's surely, surely. You never know with Pet Roulette. Surely he's going to start. It just seems like that's what it's all pointing towards. So if if you can get the double benefit, can't you? If you if you have been bold enough to gamble there, like we mentioned on the radar, um, you, you know why not? Why not just have that extra double differential and, and stick the armband on him? And, and you know if he does start, then yeah, leads as much as we we were talking up leads just then going forward. That they've they've also conceded plenty of chances and plenty of goals this season. So you'd expect that to continue against City, whoever does play. So then Liverpool at home to Villa, um, you know, the number of uh, FPL managers that have got Jota and Salah in their in their wildcard draft, um, you would think that they're both going to have pretty good upside uh, against the Villa side that were started the season you know, pretty well defensively, but um, has ha- have slipped a little bit of late. Um, so yeah, I mean, this seems, I mean, not obvious, Andy, but 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 yeah, I mean, I guess. They are a good side, two very two good players in a good side that have a pretty good chance of returning this weekend. Yeah, well, um, you know, obviously uh, Villa battered Liverpool seven two. I think it was, wasn't it, earlier in in the season? But it's a different beast without Grealish. I mean, Grealish may be back for this game. There was suspicion he might be back for the previous one, and he wasn't. So he's had a whole other week now. Maybe he'll come back. But without him, Villa have created significantly less, and they're they're way down on the, on their xG. You know, without without Grealish. So um, potentially a more straightforward game for Liverpool as a team, and maybe that means that that more more potential for returns for for Salah and Jota. Yeah, the the question marks are going to be with that Real Madrid fixture how much will they play will they both start will will if they do how long will they play you think there's there's going to be rotation like that it will you know that he 
at, at various points has played with all four, as we mentioned, the, the Jota, Salamane and, and Firmino. But would he would he be as bold as to start with that this week and, 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 and then take some off later? Or would he do some direct start with a couple of them? And and then maybe sub in the other the other two later in the game for some for some fresh legs. We just don't know. So that that's again another tricky thing with that Madrid fixture and and, and Liverpool being two goals down for 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 captaincy for, for for those this week. But I suppose what we've seen with someone like Ajota last week, he come off the bench and scored two goals. So maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world even if he doesn't start. Yeah, I mean I'd like to know the stats, but it feels like he's got more more goals off the bench than anyone else in the Premier League this year. And, uh, and you know, even you even highlighted that back in, you know, back in October when he, when he, when he, when he first started um, on, on Liverpool's bench, you know, I think he returned after you know, having only been on the pitch for 13 minutes. So, so yeah, he, he's definitely got, got that in his locker at the moment. Um, last week, Andy, we did speak about Chelsea defenders and as being potential captain options uh, home to, home to West Brom. Obviously, that didn't quite go to plan, and that's possibly the understatement of our FPL season, but um, not to be deterred, we're going back in this weekend, or or are we? Chelsea playing Crystal Palace. Well, yeah, obviously Palace haven't created a great deal either this season, one of the lowest over the course of the whole season, if not the lowest, and certainly, again, in the last few games. Um, so, so that might suggest that there's a clean sheet, a good chance of a clean sheet for Chelsea defenders here. There was a little bit more uncertainty over who might play, but with Obviously, like we mentioned before, the Thiago Silva suspension. You know, Aspilicueta has played a lot of minutes, and and he is getting a, a bit old now. So, so I wonder at whether at some point he might need a bit a bit of rotation. But look, given that su- suspension to, to to Thiago Silva, I think you could probably expect to see Christensen and Rudiger as centre backs. Um, like we mentioned, you know, there's a there's a reasonable chance that Alonso could play, given that Chilwell played played midweek. Why would you not take advantage of of of, of that? Um, so yeah, there's there's a few options there for in terms of defensively, but but obviously the standout one would be Alonso if if we get any sort of suspicion that he is definitely going to start from from press conferences and stuff because he has that incredible um, attacking um threat that w- that we saw just just last week as well. He's, he's still got it. It's not it's not disappeared. So. Um, Outside of him, maybe I'd say, but it's one of those weeks to try and be a, a little bit more positive uh, because you know, at, you know, with the Rudigers and Christensens and whatever, even if you do work out who's going to play, you're probably not getting attacking threat off them. So it is just the, the, the clean sheet you're hoping for. But I'd certainly go if we get an inkling from a, from a press conference that Alonso's likely to start. I'd be very tempted to look at him. Looks a little bit like Justin Timberlake, or is that just me, Alonso? Uh, He's got a lot more hair than him, so maybe, maybe if, 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 yeah, I don't know, maybe a little bit. I'm not sure. I mean, tweet us at the FPL Lounge if you think that's a, that's a horrendous take or a very good one. Um, Man United play Tottenham this weekend. Does, should that deter FPL managers from putting the armband on Kane or Bruno? I'm not sure. I mean, there's a bit of me that thinks. It could be perfect for United. They always seem to do better against the better teams. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you could play um, Bruno. Bruno played the full ninety tonight. Um, Rashford came off uh, with, with twenty minutes to go to kind of protect him a bit. So um, I, I don't know. I'd, if, if out of the two, though, I mean, obviously we mentioned before, but Kane is just in absolute lethal form at the moment, and Spurs are, are at home. Um, so, I, I, you know, as I've said, uh, we're repeating myself from throughout the course of the season that I wouldn't put it against anyone to be able to score against Man United this season. You know, Sheffield United put two past us. So Harry flipping Kane in the form he's in, if you give give him half a sniff, he's he is going to um, he's going to return, I'm sure. So I don't think I could put people off it. No. 
you could absolutely see a penalty in this game, couldn't you? And from either either team, just because I feel like both sets of centre halves have an absolute clangor in them somewhere. Um, and obviously, you know, Kane and Bruno are going to be are going to be the two that, that benefit from that. Um, and then I guess finally, Andy, just because we mentioned him on the radar, and and it's it's in theory such a good fixture, Southampton against West Brom. Danny Ings is a bit of an outside shout for for those that do own him. Um, I wonder. I'd like to know what kind of percentage of his owners do end up captaining him this week. It feels like could be almost too good to be true an informed Southampton attack against a team that, that do concede quite a lot of chances um so so yeah um if if, if I bring him in he, he he might come into my thinking and I wonder you know equally you know if someone owned Kit Kane and Ings which way would you be more inclined to go I think I might even be more inclined to go for Ings I don't know it'd be a tough one I think I think I'd probably go Kane just because it just like I say watching him in the last two or three weeks for England and, and Tottenham, it's just it's just unbelievable. It's just like the best, some of the best finishing you're ever going to watch in football, frankly. So, yeah, I'd probably just go Kane. Protect that rank as well, I suppose. Um, going with a slightly safer pick, but he's going to get a lot of armbands this week, isn't he, Kane? Because of, because of exactly the reason that you just outlined. He's, he's just simply lethal form at the moment for club and country. Absolutely, yeah. All right, then let's leave it there and let's uh, let's round off as we always do with Who the Heck is Stat. For those that don't know, Who the Heck is Stat is a little game Andy and I play where we take it in turns each week to pick a player from the FPL universe. They have to be owned by at least 5% of FPL managers and then we get five clues to guess who it is. If we get it after the first clue, we, uh, we we score five points. After the second clue, we score four points and so on and so forth. Every time we hear a clue, we get the opportunity to stick or twist with our previous guess. And that means that we don't reveal the answer to the end, which allows you to play along as you're listening to the podcast. Andy has, um, I don't know how it's ended up like this, but Andy's got an eight-point lead. He leads 37-29 as we approach the business end of the season. Uh, but he is picking a player for me this week. So an opportunity for me to claw it back but eight points seems seems big i feel like i need a big score here but um but yeah we we, we will see uh not sure if uh not sure if the late night recording of this is going to affect affect my ability and 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 if it does then i'm getting my excuses in early yeah fair enough i mean i think the the gap opened up because there were like i maybe i got like a, a high like a three or a four or I don't think I got a five pointer because I feel like I remember that. And then you got like a none, I think, in the in the following week. So that's that's how it's opened up. But look, as you've mentioned before, the pool of players that we can actually choose from here, with it being over five percent of ownership, is is ever decreasing. So maybe that makes it a little bit easier. We we, we shall see. Um, let's go. Clue number one then. It is this player's fifth season in FPL, and they've already achieved their highest ever score. Uh, great. Okay. Um, that has. I mean, obviously, absolutely no, no bearing on anything. Um, well, it has some bearing. Well, yeah, sure, but you know, it's it's, it's not 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 particularly useful set of clues or, or clue as the as the first one really is. Fifth season FPL. I mean, that's probably going to rule out anyone from Leeds, maybe Villa, Sheffield United, maybe Brighton, and almost certainly West Brom, possibly Wolves as well, and Fulham. So, I guess that's narrowed. Down a bit. Fifth season FPL, highest highest ever points return so far this year. Hmm. I feel like I should just pick a team now and just find a player for that team. Why am I thinking of Richarlison? Why am I thinking of him? Will he be owned by five percent? I guess he might be. I don't know. Is he listed as a striker in FPL, Richarlison? 
he might be. I feel like he might end up with quite a few, quite a few, um, maybe not owned because DCL is a, kind of more of a standout pick. Uh, he was at Watford for a bit, wasn't he? So five seasons. Yeah. Highest or oh, highest ever finish. How many points will he have? 90s, 80s, maybe. He's got a few. He's been, actually, he's been injured quite a bit. Like maybe I won't go for him. Who else could it, could it be at Everton? I guess it could be DCL, but we must have had him already. Uh, Hammers, no. Dean, probably only been there for a couple of years. Uh, do you know what? Let's go. Let's go, Richarlison, just to just so I can get that second clue. Okay. Clue number two. This player has improved their points total in every season they've played. Uh, okay. I mean, that's difficult because it's difficult for me now to not say him again. How many points will he have had this year? I don't think he will have broken the 100-point barrier. Has he Has he previously? I guess he's been Everton's main striker for like, well, he was last year, wasn't he? He must have broken 100 points before this year. All right, maybe let's go back to the list of teams and see if there's anyone else that jumps out. Five seasons, highest ever points total so far this season, and they've improved their, their total every year so far. Okay. Uh, keep looking at West Ham. I wonder if it could be West Ham. Who would they have? They probably haven't got that many players, though, because we've gone Cresswell before, and Antonio I think we've had before. I think we've had Suchek before. can't think of many other players that they have that will have played five, five years that have done well in FPL this season. I wonder about someone like Chris Wood, 5% of managers own Chris Wood. Oh, I just can't see it. Imagine if they did. don't think he's appeared on our radar this year, has he? Not I remember. No, I think so. Surely 5% of managers couldn't have owned Chris Wood. So I'm going to rule him out. Anyone else at Burnley, maybe? I mean, I quite like Vidra, but I just don't see it happening. Oh, this is, this is tricky, isn't it? This is tricky, tricky. I haven't even thought about, like, Big six teams yet. South could be a Southampton player. Ings? No, I'm sure he's done more than five seasons. What about Ward Pratt? He must have done more than five seasons as well. Hmm. <laughs> what about Callum Wilson? Could it be him? Five years? Well, he, he, no, he had a really good season for Bournemouth, didn't he? I can't see him having more points this year than he did for them. Oh, this is tricky. This is tricky. This is tricky. Liverpool. I mean, could it be Jota? No, this is surely only like his third year, isn't it? And will he got more points than last year? I feel like I'm just naming players now. Well, I mean, that is the point of the game, I suppose. But narrowing it down to the right one is is trickier. Um, oh, it could. Hmm. Hmm. What about Andy's boy Mason Mount? Five years? Would he have like got a point when he was on loan at Derby? If he maybe only went. Well, he was. He was. Abroad before that as well, wasn't he? Oh, it can't be him, surely. Well, maybe you've been sneaky and picked a goalkeeper. That'd be so you to pick a goalkeeper. Goalkeeper's not allowed to play anymore then, no. No, but you know what I mean. Um, I mean, it's not him, but am I gonna, gonna, just going to have to go for him? I think a guess would probably be good at this point. Yeah, I think I need to... Um, I, need, I, need, I need another clue. So, so yeah, let's go. Let's go Mason Mount, even though I'm pretty certain it won't be him. Okay. Clue number three. This player is the highest owned player at their club. Who will be... I'm just going to go through the teams. Who will be Fulham's highest owned player? The keeper, Probs. So no. Wolves will be Neto. Don't think he's played five years. City. Or it could be... It could be What's that lab? I can never pronounce his name. Sass. Might, might be him. But even then, five years. 
doesn't seem Leeds would be Bamford. Oh, it could be Grealish. Is Andy being sneaky and including that gap? Could be Grealish. What would it say? He's highest highest FPL points total ever. Increased it in his previous four. Mm-hmm. Highest owned player at his club. Yep. Is he higher owned because of his injury than like Watkins or Martinez? Especially Martinez. I guess not. Liverpool, Salah. I guess he'd be the highest owned. There's no way he's topped topped um, the previous season's tally. Oh, what about Chilwell? I feel like we've had Chilwell. Hmm. No, going to say no. Palace, I'm just going to rule them out, but even though that could be really stupid of me. Zaha, I feel like they've got more points in a different season. Kane, probably got more points in a different season. Vardy would have done. Highest own, play- highest own player for their team. This is tough. Oh, dearie me. I have a, this horrible feeling that I've mentioned him as well, which I probably have, but don't say anything because I'm I'll, yeah, I'll just get, I'm going to get annoyed with myself. Uh, 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 well, obviously, highest own player at the club is is a pool of only twenty players in the game, right? I mean, fact, yeah, that is that is a fact. Um, let's West Brom. It can't be a West Brom player, surely. Brighton. I mean, that's going to be hard for them to replace five. No, Lallana's the only guy I can think of. Who'd be Brighton's highest own player? Dunk, probably. Not, not happening, is it? Unless he played for a different team before. Southampton would be Ings, I'm assuming. He must have played more than five years. Everton's would be, I suppose, DCL. DCL, five years, maybe. I feel like we've had him, though, this year. He would be Everton's. Is he Everton's highest owning player? I can't see why he wouldn't be. I guess his form earlier in the year means that he might be on his best ever FPL season. I just think we've had him. But okay. I'm making this listen so boring. It's almost like I picked one for Andy, so I think I better, better go with DCL. Okay. <laughs> clue, clue number four. This player is in the top ten point scorers in the game. Would that rule him out? He hasn't done loads recently, has he? Top ten point scorers. I wonder, I'd like to know what that threshold would be. Who's who's top? I guess Bruno's top, isn't he? Bruno, Bruno Kane, Salah must be around like the two hundred point mark, I guess. Son maybe as well. I wonder what Paddy B's on. Is he kind of like the the yardstick? I don't I don't know. Are they in like? I'm guessing this player then must be nearing like 150. And I reckon DCL's on like 120. He did go nuts at the start of the season, didn't he? Who else would be in that top 10? Paddy B. I mean DCL. Cresswell maybe. Oh, this is stupid. I don't really feel like I've got a reason not to pick him. But then I don't think it is him but you haven't given me enough reason to get off him. So it's like, do I risk it and maybe get a three, but more likely only get one? Or do I think of someone else and hope for two points? Well, I'm effectively fishing in the same pool. I'm not. You've told me that there are only 10 players it could possibly be, but I can't think of any of them beyond Fernandez, Kane, Salah and Son and Bamford, all of which none, none of whom the other clues would apply for. I'm going to have to stick with him but I can't think who the other top five point scorers might be. So you're sticking with... I mean, DCL, I I don't think he's in the top 10. um, But then I imagine he's probably like 12th or 13th. So I might just be underestimating his score. So yeah, go for it. Okay. And the final clue, this player has 20 goal involvements this season. Well, I haven't counted them, but he must have like 
14 goals and six assists, maybe. Uh, I mean, got to throw caution to the wind. I'm eight points behind, aren't I? So, yeah, sod it. I'll stick with I'll stick with DCL. This I, this feels so awful. I don't know if it's because it's nearly half eleven at night, but this just feels so wrong. I'm going to end up with zero here. Let's stick with DCL. The correct answer is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Three points, Chris Hopkins. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where I think when you changed has massively saved you there because at that point you were on Mason Mount and he is actually the highest owned player at Chelsea. So I thought, oh, are you going to are you going to stick here? Um, but obviously, yeah, something made you, you, you twig onto, onto DCL. And uh, a lot of the things you were going through, you, you know, you weren't a million miles off of, like like you said to me, like last week or whenever it was, really. Like when you were naming the top 10 there, you almost named them in order. It's Fernandez, Kane, Salah, Son. Then it's Bamford next, who you mentioned. Uh, Creswell is just outside the top 10. He has two fewer points than Calvert-Lewin. Calvert-Lewin is 10th, so maybe that's a bit cruel. But he's 10th with 138 points at mm. the moment. Um, so yeah, you were, you were kind of, and, and actually another thing just on that final clue, 20 goal involvement, absolute bang on 14 goals and six assists. <laughs> so that's exactly what he's got. That's ridiculous. Um, okay, so yeah, you, fine. yeah, you, you're always kind of in the right type of ballpark. And even at the start on the very first clue, you differed between Richarlison and DCL. Um, so you were kind of, yeah, there or thereabouts a lot of the way along, really. Now, what was the first clue? Five, five seasons on it? fifth season and already achieved his highest ever score yeah mm, i mean with that second clue the kind of the emphasis of that one there that i thought might uh given that you'd gone between those two at the start might was, was trying to give you the idea that like it's someone who's kind of steadily improved they've got a few yeah. more points each season and just continue to improve right so yeah but anyway no three points got to be happy with that yeah, to absolutely take it, especially as it was uh, it was pretty unexpected. And yeah, just looking at his stats now, and and yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he has steadily improved. He is kind of he's the epi- the epitome of steadily improving, I guess, isn't he? And although this season seems to be a bit more of an explosive improvement than previous years. Oh well, nice to uh, nice to nice to chalk up a few points on the board and, and make it interesting going forward. But yeah, need to. You are right. It kind of seems like a, an ever dwindling pool of players from from which to choose from. So yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to think how we how we improve this uh, maybe for next year. Um, anyway, Andy, let's leave it there because it is far too late, and uh, and and I'm, I promise to stay up and, and edit this so listeners can get it in their ears. Um, but if they want to interact with us on social media before they listen to the podcast, or even obviously after they listen to the podcast, and any, any, any late. Uh, any late questions before the deadline uh, tomorrow, how can they do so? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And yeah, obviously, uh, earlier sort of Friday deadline, it's an unfortunate one with the wildcards, really, because both you and I kind of want to wildcard, but I'm not sure personally if I'm really going to actually have time. I've got a very hectic day tomorrow, so whether I'm going to be able to get it done before 630 that's uh, that's going to be difficult, but but yeah, look if you've got also if you've got any comments on how flipping long who the heck is stat always seems to go on for these days, you know, do let us know. We're we're considering a, a slight tweet for next season of possibly only four clues rather than five. So you know, if you've got any thoughts on that, let let us know what you think. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think any feedback on any of the segs, I think will will be really 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 gratefully received as we look to improve uh, heading into into our second season. Um, obviously, do also remember to. Raise review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from um we have i mean it's a big
big day on Monday, Andy, isn't it? It's a big day on Monday with the pubs going back. So, you know, I'm 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 hoping to maybe be in a boozer on Monday. So we're probably going to be recording on Sunday night. Um, but we will we will wait and see. Um, but other than that, Andy, until we do record again. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.